We know that what we eat is important for our physical health, but could what we eat have a huge effect on our emotional health too? Today's guest is such a treat. One of my closest friends, Katie Leonard, will fill us in on all the new thinking around gut health. She does everything from teaching underprivileged kids how to eat healthy on a budget, working at UCLA managing nutrition for various sports teams, has previously owned her own healthy bakery, and is now in the process of furthering her degree in nutrition. Thank you so much, Megan. I am stoked to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm Katie, as Megan mentioned. I used to run slash still do special requests for my healthy bakery, which is in uh, Beverly Hills, Los Angeles area. Um, I periodically shipped to different locations around the U.S. if you were special enough. But um, I also went to some farmer's markets too, which was actually a really, really cool experience. But I've kind of sidelined that for now and am really, as Megan mentioned, dedicating my time to pursuing my registered dietetics and nutrition degree. Um, It's like a three-year whirlwind endeavor process that I am suiting up for and am thoroughly enjoying all the classes thus far and um, really really, really taking a different approach. Like it's funny when you're in college taking classes, you're, I feel like you're just like there to pass and you're like, okay, like literally how is this lecture 30 minutes? It feels like two years. Um, but when I'm in these classes, I'm so entrenched and infatuated with all the topics, whether it's like anatomy and physiology or food science. So I'm super stoked to be here and like really, really loving all the topics I'm learning about. Cause it's just like, making me love food and nutrition and wellness, holistic health even more. Yeah. And I feel like this is such a hot topic right now. Everyone's talking about gut health. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to pick Katie's brain about gut health. I don't even know what gut health really actually means. So maybe let's start there. What is gut health? Yeah. So gut is, I feel like such a nasty word to use. So I kind (laughs) of like the term like belly brain connection. That's cute. Yeah. Good branding. The, right? And everyone loves a good alliteration. The BB. It's perfect. <laughs> so basically, gut health is essentially the mind-body connection or like belly-brain connection. And it really is the concept that what you consume, whether that's tangible, such as like food, um, beverages, or intangible, whether that's like information, they really do affect one another. So information obviously being consumed via your mind and then food and beverages being consumed going straight to the gut and those really like how they affect and speak to each other. So like for example, um, a troubled intestine can signal to the brain just as the brain can signal to a troubled intestine. So for example, like if you've ever been like, oh my gosh, I have bell- or butterflies in my stomach, like I'm mm. so nervous or like, yeah, I made that decision because I just went with my gut. Like that is truly, I know that those are just like idioms and sayings, mm-hmm. but it really is a thing. You truly get via the vagus nerve, which I've been doing a lot of research on in my anatomy and physiology <laughs> class. Um, it really is essentially like a highway from your gut to your brain. And it's wow. really where um, all of the bacteria that live in your gut kind of travel through. It's pretty sweet. That makes so much sense. The butterfly example just like really illustrated that for me. I never thought about it that way. So I guess what's the scientific side of it? How is the bacteria somehow getting up to the brain? Yes. So Basically, what scientists are calling it is the gut microbiome. So it's a huge, 
I guess handful isn't the right term, but it's about a hundred trillion microorganisms like that, that are literally bacteria living in your digestive tract. So they're basically wedged between your spleen and your spine. And essentially they weigh a total of 4.5 pounds, which is actually like more than your brain. If you're super smart. But um, yeah, they, they weigh a ton, honestly. And for example, there's about 20 million genes that live within those 100 trillion microorganisms. Like for reference, the human, I guess, gene pool. So like anything that like determines your hair to like your eye color, um, those basic types of genes. There's only 22,000 in each human. This has 20 million that live in Whoa. your gut. So it basically determines like how your body reacts to what you consume and um, vice versa. So the science side of it is loaded and I've been doing a lot of research. It is kind of hard to like holistically digest, if you will, it's the most (laughs) perfect term. But um, (laughs) essentially like for example, these microbiomes that live in your belly basically produce 90% of the serotonin that you emit as a human. So like we all know that serotonin is like the happy hormone and regulates your your basic moods and promotes your overall well-being. So that then again kind of hits home the point of like, okay, so I need to really like nurture and make sure I'm paying attention to this microbiome because it releases all of this happy chemical within my body naturally. Then that kind of segued scientists and any curious mind in the matter to kind of relating that back to like depression or anxiety, which especially during the time of COVID um, is like so hyper relevant. And as Megan mentioned, it's such a hot topic right now because like everyone's like trapped inside and like all the limited social interaction only just catalyzes and perpetuates this whole like kind of loneliness concept. Mm -hmm. So um, it is all really interesting and very interconnected. And really, again, I know I mentioned this at the beginning of the call, but a part of the reason I'm so interested in holistic health is really because I do think that they're all interconnected, whether it's physical, emotional, social, mental, and like the difference between kind of mental and then physical and emotional is that physical and emotional are really like the day-to-day, like Mm short-term manifestations of your health, whether that's positive or negative health. Whereas mental is really your brain's ability to process more complex cognitive, I guess, circumstances. Mm -hmm. So it's really like frontal cortex, um, Mm -hmm. decision-making processes and like how you cope with stress, like coping mechanisms. So it's super interesting. And these microbiomes really do control not only physical and emotional, which is obviously of the utmost importance and like your Mm day-to-day functioning as a human, but moreover, your ability to really use the amazing skills that you have as a human being and in your mental and cognitive processes. Can you speak to a tangible study or example of where they found a true connection between mind and gut? Yeah, so great question. So one that I have repeatedly come across is um, basically a test that they've done with rats in labs. So they specifically were observing the GABA proteins, G-A-B-A proteins in rats. And um, basically kind of stepping back to like level set, oftentimes people with depression um, can exhibit a behavioral tendency called learned helplessness, which I'm sure like a lot of people have heard, but it's basically where 
you kind of, as a human, perceive that so many things have, quote, like, happened to you that you kind of just learn to, like, roll over. So it's, like, the the basic um, root of the study is they basically did a bunch of tests with dogs where they basically had one control group and one experimental group. So the control group of dogs was basically given food laid out in front of them in their cage. And then the experimental group had the exact same setup, but there was like this electric barrier between the dog, which is also kind of sad. So just forget (laughs) they weren't harmed in the process of the test. I don't think, but um, basically there was like an electric barrier between the dog and the food. So obviously the dogs that didn't have the electric barrier could easily be like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. Mm -hmm. Then they'd obviously go eat the food, go back, do whatever the hell they do. And then the experimental group, basically every time they got hungry, tried to reach for the food, they would be electrocuted. And like they kept trying to do it, obviously, because they're like, they couldn't see the electric barrier or like for lack of like the whole frontal Mm -hmm. cortex thing they couldn't like understand why this was happening so basically over time after they kept being electrocuted and weren't rewarded with the food and just kept getting zapped they were basically learned this helplessness they're like okay well like i'm i guess i'll just die here i guess i'll just roll over and like i'm never gonna get food basically when you're like hit with so many hit so many times by something Mm -hmm. you kind of develop this behavioral tendency of learned helplessness so that behavioral tendency is often expressed in people higher, in people with depression. Um, but in people that exhibit higher amounts of the GABA protein, they basically show less tendency to express learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. So it's basically an inverse relationship, Whoa. just to like picture it back and forth. In the study, scientists found that rats who were given or like injected with fecal matter from humans that exhibited low GABA proteins that then basically showed up in their GI tract, like their digestive Mm -hmm. systems, and then was displayed in their behavioral tendencies. So like basically when they were given fecal matter from those adults that, yeah, yum, (laughs) injected with fecal matter from humans that um, had that learned helplessness tendency or low amounts of GABA, they basically then started to exhibit that learned helplessness tendency, even though it wasn't a part of their like, I guess innate behavior. They or brain. over time, yeah, it's or literally brain. in their stomach. Literally, yeah. It obviously just shows like it travels directly like on a super highway up to their brain because like those rats that were in that group did not exhibit that behavior before. But then, conversely, um, those rats that were given fecal matter um, <laughs> or injected with fecal matter from humans that had high amounts of GABA, AKA low amounts of this learned helplessness tendency. They then were like exhibiting normal function, normal being like obviously a relative term, but like normal unaffected patterns. So they were not exhibiting any of the learned helplessness behavior. So it was like, obviously that's a very pointed mm-hmm. example and like kind of nasty to be honest. They're like injected <laughs> with fecal matter, but truly it just shows like, what the hell that's creepy yeah exactly like it's kind of crazy that like these rats that didn't exhibit this learned helplessness tendency which is super prominent in depressant i mean you're basically studying depressed rats which it's like wow rats probably should be depressed anyway they're like living in sewers and like basically <laughs> actually like maybe friends of the ninja turtles down there who knows who knows but um i hopefully for them but that was super cool to like see that exact mm-hmm. example there are a ton more that they're doing because obviously this topic is so hot and like yeah. people have kind of pushed it to the side but i think that that's a really cool example don't you think that part of the problem that scientists have and this is just my opinion so i'm curious what your thoughts are 
I feel like there is a real problem with branding um, these new findings because even mm. in COVID terms, sometimes highly educated science scientists have a hard time explaining and articulating to the in layman terms, aka me, like you are right now to me in a way that I can understand it, right? I mean so, even me, I have had to read PS. I've had to read like all of these articles sixty thousand <laughs> times. So like don't think I'm just like, oh okay, yeah, like, like dissecting this rat. But like but yeah. don't you think that's part of the problem of why this stuff is not more adopted by humans and we yes. just don't understand it is because the brand the branding, the messaging, the communication's off. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I mean I wholeheartedly feel like that's 1 million percent the case. Even like anything from news articles. Like yeah, it's like yeah. all of these articles are four fucking pages and it's like, yeah. I don't want, I don't one, have time to read yeah. that and two, don't want to. And then even more so on this level, this whole science-based information, it's hard to spread because you don't have people that are like able to easily translate it. Or, right. Which is why I think it's really, really epic that you're creating this podcast to begin with. I mean, you always hear doctors say, oh, well, you know, eat a healthy diet. It's important for this, that, and this. And you're, and you're kind of like, okay, duh, obviously eat a healthy diet. It's good for you physically. But I don't think that there's been as much of an emphasis on what does that do emotionally and mentally to your point. So people have become accustomed to, well, it's all physical. And now we're learning, wait a second, our happiness could literally be um, a huge part of what we're eating. That really blows my mind in a lot of ways. And even for me, for our listeners who don't know me very well, I actually have an autoimmune disease. And I've been told my entire life that what I eat is going to affect how sick I get. And so for me, I thought that was more physical. And in recent months, I've really thought about, well, actually, is there a relationship between certain foods that, yes, physically are going to give me more inflammation, but emotionally, if my emotional state um, you know, goes down and I'm having a hard time emotionally, especially during COVID, it actually then hurts me physically. So I know they're interconnected now. And that, and that is like a really interesting part of, of my journey to understanding gut health. Totally. No, you're like the perfect fucking specimen prodigy <laughs> for this. Like literally you mentioned all these like buzzwords, like inflammation yeah. and emotional health, like wild. It really is. Yeah. Inflammation always I find interesting and also all the things I love make me inflamed. So that's so so upsetting. (laughs) Inflaming hot Cheetos. But like, honestly, inflammation is truly the cause of like so many, so many things, whether it's like Parkinson's inflammation in the brain or like GI tract health. Mm -hmm. So like IBS, it's inflammation in your GI tract or like there's, I always forget the name of it, but it's basically, oh, it's ulcerative colitis and it's basically when ulcers grow oh, on yes. your rectum and I know your someone who had oh, this. Oh god, dude. Not mentioning any names. We'll talk yeah. about it after. It's horrid. Oh man, yeah. So that's like also a really gnarly one. That's obviously mm. like ulcers and inflammation literally on your colon. And I mean, and so another kind of really similar to your point and basically like how an inflamed like let's say GI tract can speak to the brain, just how the brain can speak to an inflamed mm-hmm. GI tract is like Um, scientists have also come over the years, this is not really like a new phenomenon, but it's kind of perfectly tied to this whole new like microbiome um, concept. But like a lot of 
there's a lot of correlation between GI tract issues and uh, really common mental disorders. So like IBS and anxiety or like constipation and Parkinson's or um, like the ulcerative colitis and lupus, like random side effects. Like obviously you can say that you have constipation with anything or like (laughs) diarrhea with anything, but like those are very, very commonly reported like physical manifestations of these types of diseases. So it's super interesting to basically study what I've read about in what they're studying is how the microbiome um, connects via like scientifically and it's basically released into like blood vessels and hormones so, like your basic endocrine system functions and then travel straight to the brain so whether they're interfering and kind of like straying off their lanes like okay yeah. so let's say like resetting a bit you have a healthy microbiome so mm-hmm. usually they stay in their own lanes they have like what they know they need to do because their main roles are literally to ward off diseases. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Like basic digestion um, tasks that they have to fulfill. But if you don't really like nurture and ensure that you have a um, diverse and like healthy microbiome, they can basically stray off track and kind of, to be frank, like fuck with your like insulin levels yeah. and like yeah. basic pancreatic pancreatic functions and like digestive tract issues and then that in turn as we all know like hormones are so interconnected be like the hypothalamus and all that jazz so like then that basically triggers your hypothalamus to release the incorrect hormone because it was told from can you tell me what a hypothalamus i can't even say the word it's literally at it's basically (laughs) resting above your brainstem and like next to your pituitary gland okay and basically your pituitary gland releases every single hormone that functions oh in your body. So whether it's like insulin, which mediates all the glucose release in your mm-hmm. body, which mm-hmm. glucose is basically synonymous with energy. So it's right. like basically how much energy you can emit. Um, like reproductive, it basically whether or not you can orgasm or like cannot orgasm yeah. for that matter. Like literally everything's so interconnected. It's very wild. And... Honestly, it's so infatuating to me, but it's also kind of crazy to believe because you can easily, like, when you're reading about and studying this, like an out of body experience, yeah. like, oh yes, the human bio, right. you know, like this as as like the body. But then, like when you literally look in the mirror and you're like, holy shit, like that's me. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm doing. Like, I have millions of these little yeah four point five pounds my, of this <laughs> in my yeah. gut. It's really wild, and to be like, oh okay, if I diversify my diet and maybe eat more lean meats or mm-hmm. um like eat more naturally grown, like free of pesticide lettuce. Obviously it's like, I fully am a hundred percent on board with like intuitive eating and kind of like eating when and like what you want in that moment. And, and frankly, that's something that I'm really trying to train myself to be more in tune with. Um, but just making sure that you're like conscious of like not putting highly processed foods or like really, really high animal fat products because those can really like kind of fuck with your microbiome and like mm-hmm. make those ones stray off path so i'm yeah. sure your answer is going to be all the things that i don't enjoy eating as much but what are some practical tangible things that anyone listening to this could walk away with what should we be eating yeah well obviously like i have oodles to learn in that field or like question as well but one thing that i've come 
across consistently in all of the research is um, really eating, as I mentioned, like leaner meats. Obviously they mention like very heavily plant-based diets, but mm-hmm. that's kind of like, I know that's very un-American of me to say, yeah. but um, <laughs> like leaner meat. So like chicken or like really lean fish, like salmon or shrimp, um, like kind of less red meats. I know that's like a broken freaking record um, all the time, less mm-hmm. red meats, but that's obviously like you can totally enjoy those like once a week, but it is really important to limit those high like visceral, mm-hmm. really, really fatty eats. Like frankly, the Mediterranean diet is a super good diet to follow mm-hmm. is what I hear. Um, yeah, any inflammation doctor I've ever had has told me to go the Mediterranean yes. route. It's also over so and over fucking again. tasty. It's like so falafel, good. tzatziki, like bring it on. Yeah. Pita. Yes. Love pita. Yeah, so so kind of things like that. So those are like really obviously like heavily plant-based diets. Um things that um are less processed. So like so sorry, like Oreos. All also like goldfish are my like Yeah, we love goldfish. Literal. Katie like, and I seal. can kill like an entire gallon of goldfish. It's really upsetting. Dude, yeah, it's it is upsetting. Especially <laughs> like if a movie's on, that shit's gone and like I'll just <laughs> shovel it. Or popcorn. Actually popcorn's like my my thing that I've come to find is like mediate or like yeah, a mediator yeah. for it. But even like one thing that's very interesting that I've come across is even just beyond like food mm-hmm. consumption, it's like getting adequate amount of sleep. And I know like obviously adequate amounts of sleep vary not only by age, but kind of like your personality, but mm-hmm. obviously the recommendations is like six to eight hours. So adequate amounts of sleep. Um, also like something that's, that I came across as well is like constantly keeping your mind like willing able and um like wanting to always learn something new so like keeping that um I know I mentioned the beginning like the difference between physical and emotional versus like mental health Uh so like the mental health is that more like long-term um Uh like cognitive and coping process so like I don't mean just like doing a daily Sudoku puzzle (laughs) but like maybe like taking a class for fun or like honestly podcasts like this Nod, quick nod. plug. Yeah, quick plug <laughs> are so readily available, and like there are so many topics. Like I know Megan so well that like she's probably heard every single, and could honestly probably start one after we do this one. <laughs> heard every like true crime podcast known to mankind. If whether you love true crime, whether you like um, biology, whether you like science, whether you like religion, like whatever the case, there's literary podcasts out there for you. And then another one that I also want to mention is like setting boundaries. So like this is also like. COVID has obviously kind of diminished perhaps our need to do this, but like being able to like say no to plans, being able to surround yourself with people that like are what I like to call like batteries included people. Like you don't feel like you're like being that person's battery and like constantly like make giving them energy. You just feel like you're like exhausted when you hang after you hang out with them. You're like, that wasn't even that fun. And like, I'm exhausted. Whereas like a, as opposed to like batteries included people where you feel like you're just constantly like bing, 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 bing. Mm -hmm. And you can like banter for hours that those are the kind of fucking relationships you need to like keep that constant mental stimulation and like, just like healthy heart, like healthy mind. Um, so, I mean, like it's obviously not only food, it kind of goes back again to like holistic approach. It's pretty sick. Well, I mean, a good example of this is we double dated last week and we made sushi and it was literally fresh sushi from Santa Monica seafood. Shout out Santa Monica seafood. (laughs) (laughs) And then Katie and all of her amazing uh, kitchen appliances, tools, and little goodies brought over a bunch of stuff for us to make sushi. And we just made fresh 
sushi together. And it was healthy, fun, tastes delicious. And it's just a way to bond and also nourish our bodies. And I think for me personally, Katie, associating eating healthy with a good experience makes me want to do it more because the regular me, you know, wants pizza and wine on a Wednesday, right? So instead of doing the pizza and wine, let's, let's do an activity together. Let's have fun. And, you know, maybe we skip the wine. Maybe we don't, but at least we didn't, at least the sushi, (laughs) I know I'm getting a really fresh, not processed, super clean meal yeah that nurses my body that's a really good point like a so like that then goes back to the whole like pavlov's pavlov's dogs of conditioning yourself to yeah. like see healthy eating as like fun or that it equates to like being creative literally because right. it was sushi i brought over like mango carrot celery yeah. it sounded really boring but then like when you roll it all up with some super clean like sticky rice and like yeah. seaweed paper shout out to andrew because he's like obsessed with like he's so <laughs> meticulous of like putting everything in um evenly like his ratios are like always absurdly perfect, perfect. yeah <laughs> but um it makes it so much more fun and then like played a game after and like drank some sake yeah. that's a really important actually associating yeah. like really sometimes like seemingly rigid diets with fun experiences like literally changes your perspective I also love cooking together with people I think that that's also something fun or finding a new recipe I also find this is kind of random but I've have you ever realized how much hidden stuff it comes from kitchens when you go eat somewhere like the amount of butter and salt and then you make the exact same thing at home and you're like wow this needs a lot of butter and salt to taste like that yes it's wild and then it makes me realize like I really don't know what I'm putting in my body this seamlessly great salad dressing is like absurd yeah and you know I'm not one to, to shame people for what they eat but I'm just saying it you know eating at home I definitely have noticed like a big difference in just cooking and trying to cook a little cleaner and maybe take some um, easy swaps. So speaking of swaps, Katie, as she mentioned, had a bakery and I was floored, honestly floored. Anyone on this podcast knows me, you know, I care about food more than literally most things. And your own heartbeat. (laughs) Katie turned me on to healthy desserts. I don't know how she does it, but could you provide a little snippet about some good swaps healthy baking swaps that you use yes yes that's a great question so obviously i am all in for making a like amazing pizuki that's like real cookie dough like enjoying it with a group of friends and like again to megan's point like making those types of endeavors really about the social element of enjoying food like with friends together etc etc um i really have come to find like I have kitchen staples that I probably would never be able to live without and literally buy Costco sized versions of them. So one really good swap for like butter, even oil that gives a similar consistency um, is applesauce as well as Greek yogurt because it really does have that like oil kind of semi-liquid base, the same kind of, I guess, vibe that like butter or heavy whipping cream even has. Yeah. Um, and also Greek yogurt, whether it's like 2% fat, 1% fat, 0% fat has that super thick consistency that is perfect for frostings. So like what I'll do sometimes is like mix Greek yogurt with a little milk and flavored protein powder. And it's like a phenomenal frosting. Also like 20 grams of protein in it. Right. Wild. And like obviously depending on what type of protein you use, like hardly any sugar. It's super wild. And I've also come to find like egg whites are an amazing swap as well, or just like eggs in general 
and associating that and um obviously like almond milks i'm trying to even think you do a lot of like, coconut sugar coconut mm, milk yes right and yes Great point. Coconut sugar, coconut milk. Another sweetener that I really like to use. So I'm not about artificial sweeteners right. either. So I like to use like honey um, and dates as like natural oh, yes. sweeteners. Dates, good, oh, so good, good one. Perfectly sticky for like a good no bake recipe. Mm-hmm. But another one that I've recently come across is like monk fruit sweetener. So monk fruit. It's basically like the sh- the. This sounds so weird, but it's like the inner meat shavings of a monk fruit, like kind of like coconut meat. If mm-hmm. you've heard of that, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that inner thick. The stuff I hate. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like <laughs> the consistency is questionable. <laughs> no, it definitely is. It's it's almost like smoothie esque. It almost has well coconut meat almost like when mixed with coconut milk almost has the same consistency of milk that's gone bad but it actually is like good when you mix it with other things because it brings that like perfect really dense um Mm. liquidity to whatever you're trying to make but um monk fruit sweetener is an amazing alternative it's basically like a one-to-one ratio with regular sugar but it's from monk fruit so just the fact that it's zero calories obviously like not counting calories in this particular instance but it's like zero calories but it's also like a natural sugar. It's an amazing, cause like with honey, you have to be conscious that it's not technically the same consistency as regular right, sugar. Right, that makes sense. So, but honey again and dates are an amazing one for like no bake recipes, which are super easy. No bake usually is like the route that people go mm-hmm. when they're first starting out trying to like make healthy things like mm-hmm. no bake protein balls because it's, you don't need to like babysit your oven and stick fucking toothpicks in there 86 times <laughs> while you're like checking to see if it's still runny and whatever the case. But thank you, I really appreciate you saying that. Also like Megan, for the record like is willing to eat literally any food so she's the perfect (laughs) specimen for me and also not only is she willing to eat anything she's willing to like give any feedback despite if it's like good or bad which is like literally my favorite quality about you (laughs) and anyone so there you go um yeah I mean it's pretty crazy but I genuinely did not believe that there could be good vegan and vegan desserts I just thought that was impossible and then um I was turned on to Katie's baking and I was like oh my gosh this is not true this can't be true (laughs) um no but I appreciate that thank you I mean the baking thing is still definitely something I like want to pursue as like a side Mm -hmm. hustle in the future but I think my ultimate goal um would be to like take the knowledge from that and then take my um like obsession with sports and obsession with nutrition and really combine them into like again leaning into that like holistic health term of like mind body spirit connection and like I think I would love to work for like a professional sports team as their like on-site nutritionist or Mm -hmm. um even go the private practice route and yeah help with that type of thing the other big thing was you would sneak protein into everything and I think that's huge because a lot of times when we we reach for snacks or desserts they don't fill us up totally. and so I could have a That's protein a point. muffin yes. that you would make you'd make those chocolate chippity protein muffins and I would have one of those as a snack like if I woke up really early and I had a protein shake at 6 30 lol more like 8 30 I, <laughs> um, I, like, I was like well actually it's pretty early um and then and then I, you know, I got hungry at like 11 and I didn't want a full meal and I wanted to eat yeah. lunch around one. It was like the perfect two hour yeah. energy that I needed. And I think that's another like great plug is just put protein in stuff. Yeah. And like oftentimes we don't even realize our, that we're lacking like fiber 
um, yeah. and protein and things. So adding for fiber, adding things like flaxseed, like ground flaxseed to your smoothie, or like even adding ground flaxseed to like, if you're really into making like little energy balls, those are super fun. Also, you can be so creative, like yeah. make like carrot cake energy balls or like walnut chocolate chip, literally inject whatever the fuck you want in it. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like a fun little activity, but like we oftentimes don't realize like the lack of nutrients that we're getting with our existing diets and back to the whole like mind gut connection um making sure you diversify your diet so that you do make sure that you keep those 100 trillion microbiomes (laughs) like functioning happy smiling cute i'm literally picturing like fucking veggie tails oh veggie tails and like just like little like (laughs) shapes like bouncing up and down together but (laughs) germs but also yeah the mucus commercial guy (laughs) no he's not welcome in my body yeah um but yeah like keeping them not looking like him so like that's what i like to believe (laughs) (laughs) bye well honestly thanks so much for being here this was such a great episode and as always i appreciate your presence your mind your spirit, your mind, body, and Ooh. spirit. Wait, I love that. I what was it? Mind, mind, body, and spirit? Yeah. We're like um, <laughs> yoga, yogis. Yeah, humming right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But Megan, thank you so much. I mean, <laughs> I obviously know you kick ass at everything you do, so this is going to be epic, and I'm very honored to have been brought on this podcast. All right. Peace. Bye for now.